0: Welcome to Learning Bible Truth Thank God for another season I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala Dee Here to take you on a tour of the Bible By reading entire books in the Bible Not just one scripture, full chapters And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of Scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the Scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to His Son, Jesus the Christ. Good day, Saints. I am Dr. Kamala D., the host and teacher of Learning Bible Truth. I am sure you heard the intro. Just letting you know, I'm not a guest. Um, I do apologize, so I'm not going to make that promise again. I know I promised that I would share um, episode 10 one day during this weekend, um, not 10, episode 11, and then share episode 12 over the weekend, but I just couldn't get to it. If I could have done it, um, it would have been Wednesday, this past Wednesday, but I, I just couldn't do it. I was just too busy. But in any event... We have reached episode 11, so I'm going to call this, since we have passed the first 10 episodes, I'm going to call this part 2, episode 11. And we are searching the scriptures, finding Jesus in the Hebrew scriptures, also known as the Old Testament. If you hear something going on in the background, I am adjusting my seat. And um, for those who are tuning in for the first time, We are finding the scriptures based on what Jesus said. We are finding in the scriptures, him, because the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament is about the Messiah. And it's based on what Jesus was telling these unbelieving and and critical Pharisees in John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. He told them to search the scriptures because in them you think, you have eternal life, but it is, it is they, they who the scriptures, who testify of me. And verse 40 says, but you will not come to me that you may have life. So Jesus was not talking about the New Testament scriptures because they had not been written yet. Jesus was still walking the earth in the flesh. They had not been written. They were written like a hundred years later. So we are finding Jesus in the Old Testament. So if you want to catch up, please. Uh, Go through my podcast and look for episode one and listen to it daily and until you catch up. But I can tell you this, episode 11 will be talked about for a very long time. Oh yes, we are going to go there today. So without further ado, let's get started. I know it's early, y'all. You guys know I am not used to sharing my podcast this early, but I want to share it before my day gets started because I don't want to take any chances of me just being too tired to share this message after my day is completed so let's get started. Um go to numbers. Numbers we are starting off in numbers today and I will be reading from the new international version. Yes, and if I switch, I will let you guys know if I switch to the ESV or either the new King James to share scripture. Uh, Numbers chapter 17, verses 8. No, let me see. Verses 6 through 8. Numbers chapter 17, verses 6 through 8. And I am reading. So Moses spoke to the Israelites and their leaders. And their leaders gave him 12 staffs, one for the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. And Aaron's staff was among them. Verse 7. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony, which is the tabernacle. And verse eight, the next day, Moses entered the tent of the testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the house of Levi, had not only sprouted, but had buttered, blossomed, and produced almonds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, saints, we are going to find our Lord Jesus the Christ in Aaron's staff. Okay? Uh Uh-huh. Pick that mouth up off the floor. We are going to find Jesus in Aaron's staff. So, number 16, it gives us the story of Korah, Datham, Abiram, and their followers. Now, 250 men rose up and challenged the leadership of Moses and Aaron, and that was a Uh, no-no. I'm getting ready to explain how that was a no-no. Now, the Lord destroyed the three ringleaders and their families by opening up the earth beneath their tents, burying them alive. That was a horrible way to go. You have to remember, in the Old Testament, they were under the dispensation of judgment, and condemnation. We are under the dispensation of grace and forgiveness. So God then consumed 247 others with fire from heaven. Now angry because of what the Lord had done, the entire assembly rose up against Moses and Aaron, and God sent a plague among them, killing 14,700 of them before Aaron buried Uh, before Aaron burned incense as an atonement for them. Now, that's how kind-hearted and full of love Aaron and Moses were. You know, Aaron had burned incense as an atonement for uh, the rest of them before the Lord could could destroy all of them. Mm -hmm. Now, then God had leaders from each of the 12 tribes appear before him with their rods of staffs. Now, each was to write his own name on the staff that they possessed. Now, the name of Aaron was inscribed on the rod of the tribe of Levi. Now, the rest of um, the story is in the verses that I just read. Okay. Aaron's rod had not only sprouted, but had buttered and blossomed and produced almonds. Now, the remaining 11 rods were not changed at all, thereby revealing God's choice of Aaron as the high priest. Mm Mm-hmm. Only Aaron had the right to enter the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle to make atonement for the sins of the people. Only Aaron, because there was only one high priest. Now, as God chose Aaron to minister before him, so also Jesus was the one chosen by God to be his great high priest. Now, the writer to the Hebrews speaks of Jesus in Hebrews 5, 4. He says, no one takes his honor, high priest, upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. And if you notice, I always refer to Hebrews. Hebrews is the most important book in the New Testament, and it is the least read, which is pitiful. Because Hebrews contains the comparison of Jesus to the Old Testament. But why, ask yourself, why is Hebrews not really read and shared with the body of Christ today? Because there are too many ministers putting on a show before the people. Now, I don't want to, you know, um, digress too much because this message is very important. Now, the wood of Aaron's rod, it speaks not only of Jesus's humanity, as we have seen earlier, but also of his cross, where Jesus shed his precious blood for the church. Now, Aaron's rod, along with the other 11, was placed overnight in the tent of the testimony, which is the tabernacle I mentioned before. Likewise, Jesus was, Jesus was placed in a tomb following his death on the cross. Now, in the morning when Moses went in to bring out the 12 rods, only Aaron's rod had buttered and had blossomed and produced almonds. Like Jesus would be many years later, Aaron's dead ride had been resurrected to new fruit bearing life. It points to our resurrected Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. See, I get, I get full cause I, I, I know what's coming saints. You know, Like I said at the beginning of this message, uh, Episode 11 is going to be talked about a long time. Share it with your family, friends, and your minister if he's not sharing these scriptures. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 20 says, has indeed been raised from the dead, talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, when the Bible says asleep, it's talking about died. And the reason why the um the Lord used the word or uses the word asleep is because they we are expected to awake. Mhm. Now Yahweh then instructed Moses. And 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 for those of you who are wondering why I said Yahweh, Yahweh is the Hebrew name for God. So if I'm going to refer to the Hebrew scriptures, I'm going to use the word Yahweh or either Jehovah. Jehovah represents the many characteristics of God. And I, you may not have heard this before, but Jesus, when, when I refer to Jesus in the Old Testament, it's Jehovah. Because he is all of the characteristics of God. And Yahweh is the name God in Hebrew. Okay, so when Yahweh instructed Moses to put back Aaron's staff in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign to the rebellious Israelites. Now this will put an end to their grumbling against me. God says in number 17 verses 10 and 11, so that they will not die. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him to do. Now, Aaron's ride that budded spoke of the authority and judgment of God. It was a warning that it it was a dangerous matter to approach God without a mediator. Mm, mm, did y'all catch that? Now we are reminded of Jesus in his mediatorial role as our great high priest in the heavenly tabernacle. Now in Hebrews chapter eight, verses five through six, um, let me, uh, paraphrase through here. Okay. The Levitical priest, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. Now this is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain, God told Moses. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one The old what the old covenant, the covenant that we are under today. The new covenant is a superior covenant to the old covenant. That the children of Israel were under that was God shared with with Moses to give to them. And it is founded under better promises. Our covenant, it's founded under better promises. We didn't have to go through, and we still don't. We don't have to go through judgment and condemnation. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, Aaron's rod spoke of Christ's high priestly role. Just as the jar of manna spoke of his, his kingly role and the tablets of the law, his role as prophet. Now one verse in the Old Testament stands out with me when I think of Jesus's ride. It is the 23rd Psalm verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now Christ's ride is for the backs of the wicked. And that's in Isaiah eleven four, but for his own, his people, us, his rod is a comfort and a delight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I want you to trot on over there to, um, numbers chapter 35, and I'm going to read verse six, numbers 35, verse six, six of the towns you give the Levites will be cities of refuge to which a person who has killed someone may flee. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord, we are getting ready to talk about how all six of the towns of refuge that God had Moses set up for the children of Israel is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They prefigured the coming of the Christ. Now, we this is the reason when, when I share this this message this is the reason that episode 11 is going to be talked about for a long time you are going to see Jesus in a completely different light than you have been seeing him all along now one of the most interesting facets of God's economy for the nation of Israel is the six cities he established as cities of refuge they were positioned throughout the land they were set high on hills So that anyone who lived in Israel was within a day's journey of at least one of the cities and could see it from a distance. The penalty for murder in Israel was death. And you can read that in Genesis chapter 9. Now the executioner was to be a close relative of the deceased and was called the avenger of blood. And you can read that in Numbers 35 um, starting with verse 19. Now, this Avenger was to pursue the perpetrator and kill him with impunity, okay? However, if the accused could reach one of these cities of refuge before he was caught by the Avenger, he could live there until receiving a fair trial, and you see, it didn't mean that, and it still doesn't mean today like it did back then, it doesn't mean you are free from the crime you committed. It means that you need to live and you need to receive a fair trial because not everyone who commits murder is guilty. Now, just like with Jesus, you come to Jesus. He is our refuge. It doesn't matter if you committed murder. He is your refuge and can secure your eternal salvation. But that does not mean that you will not be held accountable on earth. Under the laws on the earth for what you did. That's not what that means. But let me tell you something. I would rather have eternal life. Eternal life. Now, if that individual back then was found innocent, he was to live in the city where he found refuge until the death of the high priest, at which time he was free to return to his own home. Now, you can read that in Joshua uh, starting um, in chapter 20. You can read about that. Write down these scriptures so that you can research them uh, when this message is over or whenever you have time. Now, these cities speak of the refuge we have found in Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus says in Matthew 11, chapter 28, Come to me, all you who are weary or who are laden and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. And again, in Romans 6, 23, the apostle Paul says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The wages of your sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift is Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, our rest in Christ has many facets. But foremost is our rest from the fear of death. And that's in Hebrews chapter 2 beginning at verse 15. The writer to the Hebrews speaks of fleeing toward the great hope we have in Christ. Hebrews chapter 6 and beginning at verse 18. Now much like the accused in ancient Israel back in the biblical days, they fled toward a city of refuge where he found hope. Now the cities of refuge were situated at high elevations where anyone fleeing could find them easily. They were also widely known. They were known to everyone. So it is with Christ. He is not hidden from our view, but he is present in his word. And the most widely printed book, which is the Holy Bible in the history of the world, is available to everyone. Churches that bear his name are everywhere um as all christian you know inspirational books speak of the of of our messiah not radio television podcasts like me the ones that i have who share christ websites and other resources are available to anyone to learn about god's eternal salvation which is only found in christ now the gates to the cities of refuge were always open so it is with jesus anyone can come to him for refuge The ground was leveled at the cross to where anyone, I don't care where you are from, okay? I don't care what nationality you are, you are invited. Now, one of uh, the charges leveled against God's church is that we are inclusivistic. Now, nothing could be further from the truth. God says in Isaiah 55 verse 1, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Now, another misconception is that one must work his way into God's favor with good deeds. Mm -mm. But as the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles says in Ephesians 2 and 8, and you ought to believe Paul over your false teaching pastor in that pulpit, okay? In Ephesians 2 and 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this faith, not from yourselves. That faith is from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gift of God, not by your works so that no one can boast. Now, God's gospel of grace extends to all people without distinction. While in a city of refuge awaiting trial or release, fugitives were fed and clothed by the Levites of that city. In the same way Jesus says in John 6:35, "He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty." And I stand before you today living witness to that. And like a city of refuge, only the only place of refuge for the accused in Israel, Jesus alone is the way to salvation. Hallelujah. He said in John 14, 6, which is my favorite scripture in this entire Bible, New and Old Testament, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And again, in John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Nobody else says this in in these religions out here. They are giving you some works to do and telling you that, um, God will be pleased with you if you do these things. Nobody is promising you salvation. Jesus is the only one that promises that. You know why? Because he can. He can. Nobody else is going to mimic that. They're not going to touch that. They're t- just like Muhammad, and I'm talking about the real Mohammed who created the uh, religion Islam, told them he didn't know if Allah was going to allow them in paradise dice or not. He don't even know, or this is what he told his disciples. He didn't even know if Allah was going to allow him into paradise. Now that's in the Quran. I have the Quran. Now, why would you follow someone who can't even guarantee you where you're going, but he having you do all these things? What are you doing them for? Look, I really don't want to go off on that. Now, um, Jesus is the only refuge for murderers, for murderers, for child molesters. You don't have to like it because you didn't come up with God salvation plan. Anybody who, I don't care if you are a murderer, you could have killed 13,000 people, a child molester, a bank robber, um, a drug dealer, a drug user. Jesus is the only refuge for those people I just named. And it's such were some of you until we were washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now someone says, what if I'm not a murderer? Why do I need Jesus? Now, unlike the cities of refuge, anyone guilty of the slightest sin against God is under his wrath unless he or she flees to Jesus. Okay, your sins will never be forgiven unless you flee to Jesus. Now, God is not just our place of refuge. He is also the avenger of blood. Romans 3.23 says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, we who have fled to Jesus for our great hope helped to murder him. Yes, we did by placing him on the cross because of our sins. But there, by his grace, his blood atoned for all of our sins. Ephesians 1.7. Now, unlike the high priest who was subject to death. And, and when I say that, I mean all the high priests were just mere men. Um, when they died, they died. They didn't resurrect. Our great high priest, Jesus lives forever. Now you either believe that or you don't. I know he's, he spoke to me and he speaks to me and he lives today. He provides for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You have to be in Christ to experience the living Christ. Hallelujah. Now we who had fled to him, are declared innocent by God and will live and reign with him eternally. Yes, we went to Jesus as our refuge while we were guilty 100% of our sins and we were declared innocent by God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, saints. Now, I want you to trot on over there to Joshua. Mm Mm-hmm. Joshua chapter 5. Um, verses 13 through 15, and I'll be reading. You can pause the tape. And by the time you find the scriptures, you can resume. So, because you have that ability, um, beginning at 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, the man replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, do I have to tell you who that man was that that Joshua was facing? Now, by the way, Joshua had uh, taken uh, Moses' place, okay? So we now are leaving the five books of Moses, okay? And and we enter the land of the promise with Joshua now leading the people of Israel. Moses had died in the wilderness, by the way. Remember God um, told Moses that he was going to remove him? from that position, because Moses, when God asked Moses to speak to the rock, to produce the water for the children of Israel, Moses hit the rock, not only hit it once, he hit it twice. So I don't know, like I said, I don't know why Moses um, hit the rock. I don't know if he misunderstood God. I don't know if he was just angry with the children of Israel. We don't know if he spoke to the rock once and, and the water didn't come. He didn't have patience and he decided to hit it. But what we do know is that God didn't tell him to hit the rock. The rock had already been hit, which brings me to this. Let me, um, uh, clarify something. When we were talking about the snake on the pole, the um, that God told Moses to, um, make a snake, put it on the pole, hold it up. And all the children of Israel who were rebelling against God, um, when they, uh, he sent snakes to bite them as punishment. And if they looked at this snake on the pole that Moses held up, that they would be healed. And, and I mentioned, I said the word incredulous. I didn't know I said that until I heard, uh, the episode play back. but I meant to say incredulous. Okay. <laughs> they were in disbelief, but I meant to say incredulous. And I said incredulous twice. And I said, Oh my goodness, what am I talking about? Sometimes I talk so fast, I don't know what I'm saying until I play the tape back. So what I need to do is just allow the Holy Spirit to guide me on through and and I need to stop interfering. Okay, now, um, where was I? Oh, talking about how uh, Joshua has taken over now because Moses had died in the wilderness. So the uh, Israelites crossed over the Jordan River when the swollen river stopped flowing at a place upstream. Now, as at the crossing of the Red Sea, the people crossed on dry ground, this time with the ark of the testimony leading the way. And that's in Joshua chapter three, beginning at verse uh, 14. You can read about that. They were camping at Gilgal. The people ate the, uh, the produce of the land for the first time because the manna had stopped. Mm-hmm. Now, Joshua must have left the camp to make an observation of the situation of the people um, uh, they were to face at Jericho. Now, its high walls were undoubtedly worrisome to the commander as his people had no, no, no battering rams. They didn't have no tall ladders or modern artillery to breach that high wall. All they had were simple hand weapons. So how were they supposed to conquer the city? Now, as Joshua drew near to Jericho, all of a sudden, a man stood in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand, seemingly ready for battle. But whose side was the man on? Joshua walked up to him and asked him the same question. Are you for us or our enemies? The man replied, neither, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now, during World War One. Um, and many other wars fought on this earth. Both sides claim that God was on their side. Now, if God is on our side, how can we possibly lose? Now, we sinners want God to be our, our ace in the hole, if you will, that, that, that hidden trump card that will make our worldly success certain. But God is nobody's secret trump card saints. And he says so here, Joshua had no right to claim God was on his side. Instead, Joshua needed to understand that he was there to serve God's purpose. The battle is the Lord's and we must be faithful to God's leadership. We have to submit entirely to God's authority and rest in his strength and sovereignty. Now, Joshua fell prostrate to the ground in reverence. He was commanded to take off his sandals as a gesture of submission and respect for worship. Now, I want you to recall Moses at the burning bush where Jehovah, which represents Jesus, said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, that's in Exodus chapter three. Saints, y'all can read about that. Jehovah is the pre-incarnate Christ. I mentioned this earlier and was there at Jericho. Hallelujah. We have already discussed theophanies. Theophanies are visual and audio manifestations of God. We have here a Christophany, a real manifestation of the one and only God who reveals God. And that's in John chapter one, beginning at verse 18. And if you guys don't mind, my mouth is getting dry. Let me take a sip of my tea. Now, how do we know this to be true? Hmm. Why couldn't the man be an angel? Some of you might be saying. Now for one thing, the man claims to be the supreme commander of the Lord's army. No mere angel ever. Do you hear me? Ever make such a claim. Angels are contingent creatures. They ministering. They are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. And you can read about that in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Also, Joshua recognized him to be the Lord Jehovah and fell at his feet in worship. You have to remember, Joshua took Moses' place. So he know when he was face to face with God, once that individual spoke. Okay, because Joshua was the prophet at this time. Moses had died in the wilderness. Now the man would not have accepted worship from Joshua if he had not been Jehovah. I want you to remember Paul and Barnabas in the New Testament, in Acts, when the church was being developed, chapter 14, verses 8 through 14, when the people of Lystra, they wanted to worship them as gods. They wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. They tore their clothes and shouted they were, now when I say they, I'm talking about Paul and Barnabas, tore their clothes and shouted to the men that they were but mere men only God is worthy to, to, to be worshiped. Okay. And only God's people will tell you that if you try to worship them, don't look to me, don't look to God's ministers. You better worship God and him alone. And if you want to read about that, you can, um, read Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse two. Hallelujah. Well, only God is, is, is worthy to be worshiped. Now, finally, we know that this man is the pre-incarnate Christ because the plan of attack he dictates is one that will give God all the glory. It is a plan that no mere man would devise. Mm-mm, not at all. By faith, Joshua leads the Israelites around Jericho for six days. And on the seventh day, the walls came down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about um, Jesus being the Lord of the universe. And we will see this in the Old Testament. Now, I want you to go to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, and I'm going to paraphrase through uh, verses 12 through 14. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O son, I want you to pay attention to this verse, O son stand still over Gibeon. O moon over the valley of Agilon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Jasher. Now the book of Jasher is amongst the apocryphas. The apocryphas. Or if you follow me on a regular basis, I, I talked about this before. They are scriptures or books that were removed from the Bible by the scholars. Now, if we have Joshua, the prophet of God, quoting from the book of Josh, uh, a Jasher. And this is what jo- Joshua quotes. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Now, this is what Joshua quoted from the book of Jasher. Now, if Joshua can quote from the book of Jasher and also uh, Samuel, uh, one of our great prophets in the Old Testament, quoted from the book of Jasher, so can I. So I'm going to take it a little further. I'm going to the book of Jasher now. I have all of the Apocrypha's books that were removed from the Bible. Now, don't panic. The reason they were removed, and I get it, I understand. So I agree with it, but it doesn't mean we can't read from these books. It's because of its authenticity and the forgeries that were going about. So the scholars could not confirm the authenticity of the writers. So they just took them out of the Bible. So I get it. And I don't advise anybody who is not astute in the word of God to to, to get them and just read them because I wouldn't want you to be confused. But um, if our great prophets of old read and and um, quoted something from the book of Jasher and many of the other uh so can we. Now, the Catholics in their Bibles, the reason they have more than 66 books is because they have kept all of the apocryphas in their Bibles, which is why you may hear them say some things that you never heard before in in the Holy Bible, because they kept it in their Bible. They don't have a different Bible. They just kept the apocryphas in their Bibles. And I'm going to chapter 88 of the book of Jasher. And, uh, reading verses 63, 64, and 65. So I am reading verse 63. And when they were smitting, the day was declining toward evening. And Joshua said in the sight of all the people, son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Agilon until the nation shall have revenged itself upon its enemies. Verse 64, and the Lord hearkened to the voice of Joshua, and the sun stood still in the midst of the heavens, and it stood still six and thirty moments, and the moon also stood still and hastened not to go down a whole day. Verse 65, and there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearken to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Hallelujah. Now, I just quoted from the book of Jasher, chapter 88, verses 63, 64, and 65. Now, these verses are among the most controversial verses in the word of God. Hallelujah, in the Holy Bible. Now, I wonder why the scholars didn't remove Joshua uh, comment out of there. You can You can't just go taking scriptures out of the Bible. But I understood the entire books. There there are uh, at least 15 or 16 apocryphals that were removed from the Bible. And I, I get it. I get it. If uh, I quote from it, you better believe I'm quoting something that one of our prophets in the in the Old Testament or either one of the um, apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament um quoted like, um, the book of Enoch in the, uh, new Testament, one of our apostles quoted from the book of Enoch. So, um, which is one of the apocryphas. Now, the reason why these, um, verses are so controversial in, in the world today, they have been cited as a proof text for, um, geocentricity. OK, that the earth is at the center of the universe. Other critics have called them a, a, a later addition to the book of Joshua and an impossible miracle even for God. Yeah, it's out there, saints. The geocentrists they, they, they say this is a miracle that is even impossible for God to stop the, uh, the moon or the sun from moving. Oh, yeah, we're about I'm about to go there. I tackle the hard stuff because it can be confirmed in the Bible. We just read uh, Joshua quoting from the book of Joshua. Okay, so now let me try to explain this. I got to slow down here so that you can understand. Not really. Remember, I told you it is God who gives you the understanding, but I need to explain things so that I don't make it difficult for you to allow God to give you the understanding. Now, like I said, they have critics that call these uh, scriptures in the book of Joshua an impossible miracle, even for God. So if that's the case, well, we don't have room to, you know, get involved in all the controversy. I simply believe that the Bible is inerrant. Okay. The Bible doesn't have any mistakes. And that these verses record what really happened on the strangest and longest day in human history. Now, the writer to the Hebrews uh, states in in chapter one. Now, listen, uh, because we're going to tie Jesus to these scriptures that um, Joshua quoted. The writer to the Hebrews says, the son, talking about Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory And the the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. I want you to focus on sustaining Jesus. Sustaining all things by his possible word. Now Jesus in his earthly ministry. Showed that he had the power to control the elements. In John chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. Now at the wedding in Cana. Jesus turned water into fine wine. Think about that for a second. I want you to think about that. To produce, and I had to do my research on this, to produce great wine, uh, a person must ordinarily plant grapevines and wait at least three years for the first harvest, all the while pruning and, and fertilizing and watering the vines. Grape wines are generally made from grape vines that have been in existence for at least longer than three years. Now, one must also be blessed with excellent weather and sunshine, but let's assume we get a a, a great vintage year. Then we need to pick our crop, crush the grapes, ferment the juice with a quality yeast and clarifiers and other uh, refining agents. And then let it sit in oak cask for at least another year. Jesus did all that in a matter of seconds at Cana, at the wedding, when they ran out of wine. Jesus also performed other physical miracles, such as calming uh, the um, waters when they had a storm. uh, and, And all of his disciples were panicking. And that's in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, if you want to read that. You know, he taking a stroll on top of the sea. We all know Jesus walked on the water. Mark chapter six, verses 47 through 50. And then he was feeding the 5,000 plus women and children in Mark six, chapter 37, verse 44. I mean, verses uh, 37 through 44. Now he also raised the dead. And Lazarus is the most famous person he raised from the dead in John 11, verses 34 through 46. You can read about that and was himself resurrected in a new body from the grave, could stopping the earth's rotation for a while be too difficult for the one who created it. Because uh, the gospel of John is is clear that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh. That's Jesus. And, And the son, Jesus, spoke worlds into existence. He spoke the worlds into existence. So if he created the world, don't you think he can stop it for, for a day? Don't you think he can stop it from rotating? I want you to think about that. Now today we have some um, naturalism or materialism forms the basis for much of what, what passes for secular philosophy. Now a materialist claims that the world works according to set laws. Now how he know that? man and his conspiracy theory, I tell you. And and that nothing happens outside their boundaries. In the first half of the 20th century, a philosophy of materialism called logical positivism was in vogue. Oh, excuse me y'all, let me drink me some tea. It claimed that unless one could see, let me let me drink. Hold on. Now positivism it claimed that unless one can see, taste, touch, or hear, or even smell something, it, doesn't, it didn't exist. That thing doesn't exist if, unless you can see it, taste it, touch it, hear it, or smell it. Now, so I guess that's so much for God. Now, knowledge for the positivist was based solely on his senses. And we don't live by our senses. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight is one of our senses. Now, then somebody asked about their formula and and they said, can you see, taste, touch, hear or smell the notion that knowledge comes only from the senses? So, of course not. So, the whole system that they created fell on its own weight. That's what it did. Now, to claim that there is no gold in Alaska, we need to dig up the entire state to prove that. Now, negative statements such as there is no such thing as a miracle are impossible to prove. Now, a materialist would have to be all knowing, like the very God he is dismissing to prove that miracles don't exist. Now, one other word about uh, these verses, the Bible uses, um, let's see, uh, regular human language. Okay. So that we can understand this. It, 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 especially for instance, in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse five, it says the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. Now we say the same thing all the while knowing that the sun rises because the earth rotates on its axis. As it moves around the sun. Now, these verses were never a proof text for the sun moving around the earth. They are proof, however, that Jesus, who is now sustaining all things by his powerful word, Hebrews 1, 3, can stop the earth's rotation anytime he good and well pleases. He is the sustainer of this earth. That's who our Lord and Savior is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys, look, look, before I jump up, because when I was studying this stuff, I'm like, man, I was about to go off because I know how people are these conspiracy theorists trying to figure out God and they don't even believe in God. They are atheists. They don't even believe in God. So how can you tell us a God doesn't exist and you don't know? I felt him. I talked to him and I'm not crazy. No, I am. Well, yeah, I am crazy. (laughs) But no, I'm not a psych patient. I know God is real. When I was having my stroke, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to be okay. And I never looked back since then. I walk by faith, not by sight. Now, I want you to trot on over there to judges. Judges. And I'm going to paraphrase through chapters 13, I mean, verses 13 through 16. Okay. Now, these are also going to be some controversial scriptures. Okay, now a certain man of Zora, named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, nothing with alcohol in it, and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Nazarites are set apart to to God from birth. And um he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistine. Now that was Judges. I read Judges chapter, uh, 13 verses two through verse five, but you can read all the way through, um, verses, uh, um uh, chapters 13 through, through chapter 16. Okay. If you want to read about all of that, Judges chapter 13 through, uh, chapter 16, but I just read Judges 13 verses two and five. Okay. So I made a mistake when I said I'm going to read and paraphrase through Judges chapter uh, 13 and um, through verses 16. No, I I read through verses 2 and 5. Y'all, it's early. Y'all know I'm not used to being up this early. Now, I want to be clear. We got to tread carefully here. As much as has been written about the story of Samson, that is who we are, are, are talking about. That is who I just read about. Uh, Samson. Okay. Um, The story of Samson alluding to things in the future that has been in my mind fanciful allegorizing. That is what it is. Allegorizing differs from typology or foreshadowing we have been studying. Now in that it projects actions of characters in a story to be symbols of some other abstract meaning. For instance, the story of Samson might be taken as a a, a warning for men to watch out for the wiles of the opposite sex or conversely, it could be cautioning women to be aware of very strong men. Anything goes in allegorizing, saints. Just a story. I mean, just making up stuff, taking stuff out of context and turning it into fictional characters. Now, typology, on the other hand, it takes the story of a figure from an, an earlier time as a type that prefigures or foreshadows some person or event that actually comes along later in history. That is, it's anti-type. Now, in the medieval church, back in the ancient church, now, a lot was, in, uh, was interpreted was allegorical. Yes, yes. In the medieval church, okay, much interpretation was allegorical. I want y'all to get this here, as it was even by some early church fathers. The reformers rightly rejected this kind of of allegorical interpretation. Samson is one of the most difficult to interpret or understand. Now, these characters in redemptive history, Samson, Samson for some reason is just uh, the most difficult to understand. It's almost as if he's a born loser rather than a Christ figure, but there are some similarities that bear study. Okay. First India, uh, above verses, we learned that Samson's com- uh, coming birth was announced by the angel of the Lord. The angel is a Christophany, a manifestation of the peak pre-incarnate Christ. Now, as we have seen in earlier uh, chapters, I want you uh, to note in particular, Judges chapter 13, verse 22, where uh, Manoah cried out, we are doomed to die. We have seen God, but it is his announcement that is in view. Only four other children are announced in scripture by, by an angel. Now, when I said it is his announcement that is in view, it is the angel's announcement that we are going to talk about. Okay. Remember there was an angel that announced to um, Abraham and Sarah about their coming son, Isaac. Remember Samuel, his mother, Hannah, an angel told her that she was going to have a son named Samuel. He was going to be a proselyte and John the baptizer. Remember Elizabeth, an angel came to um, Elizabeth and of course, Jesus. Now, Manoah's wife, like Sarah and Hannah, foreshadowed Mary, okay? Now, Samson's name meant light and speaks to us of Jesus' being the light of the world. Now, he is to be a Nazarite, one who is set aside to serve the Lord. Now, in that sense, he is more like John the Baptizer, also set apart as a Nazarite. That's why, excuse me, John had long hair, long beards, because they are not to shave, That's why the angel told Samson's mother, you know, you are not to put a razor to his head. Nazarites, they can't touch any unclean thing. They can't drink any alcohol. Their lives are completely devoted to the Lord. Now, we have some people who uh, become temporary Nazarites for a set period of time. And then they go back, you know, cut their hair and all that stuff. Now, this is one of the reasons Jesus had long hair, but it wasn't straight. It wasn't blonde. It was curly. Jesus had a lot of hair because he came here, you know, strictly 100% for the Lord. His work was for the Lord. Now, we have to uh, think about the name of Samson. Like I said, it meant light and it speaks to us uh, of Jesus as being the light of the world. And that he is to be a Nazarite, one set apart to serve the Lord. In that sense, he is more like John the Baptizer, okay? Also set apart as a Nazarite. But Samson's attributes were more Christ-like. He had superhuman strength as the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he performed miraculous feats using it. As he approached Tenna, he was attacked by a roaring lion, which he quickly killed. Now, how similar to Jesus who defeated Satan, that roaring lion looking for someone to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. Samson left his parents forsaking their appeals for him to marry someone in Israel. And Samson sought foreign women to marry. In like manner, Jesus left his home in heaven to seek a bride for himself from the uncircumcised Gentiles because he knew ahead of time that he was going to be rejected by his own. So Jesus sought us uncircumcised Gentiles. I've mentioned before, and I will keep saying it, when the opportunity presents itself, anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. Okay, so you don't have to fake like you a Jew. (laughs) You are a Gentile if you are not a Jew or you are a Greek. You are a Gentile or a Greek. That's what we are. Now, Samson fell in love with a Philistine woman. Philistine means one who crawls in the dust. And, and and Samson became engaged to that woman. She turned on him out of fear of man. So he went to a prostitute. Then he encountered Delilah and fell in love once again. Now, you know, the rest of the story, she finally got him to tell her the secret of his strength. He was captured and blinded by his Philistine captors. Meanwhile, Samson's hair grew back, and he recovered his strength. Now, whatever else we may think of Samson, his life is honored by God in chapter 11 of the New Testament book of Hebrews, often called the Bible's hall of faith, the book of Hebrews. Now, saints, I think I want to stop here. I have to get my um, day started. We uh, will probably do um, episode 12 next week, but I'm here to tell you, saints, that you need to understand who Jesus is, and for those of you who want a clear understanding without any hesitation, look through my podcast and find. Um, when I taught a, a series, I think it was four or five episodes, I can't remember uh, about the book of Hebrews. I read every chapter, every scripture, every word of Hebrews, and I get, I give you um meanings of those scriptures and God gives you the understanding as we go through and it talks about why we no longer have the Levitical priesthood Jesus is our high priest and Jesus didn't come from uh the Levitical priesthood okay I want y'all to understand that but you need to listen to that podcast it's it's worth listening to I actually listened to it a couple of days ago um all four I think it's four or five uh episodes and it explains exactly who Jesus is and why we need him. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. And it talks about our heroes of faith. So those of you who are listening under the sound of my voice, if you have never accepted the Messiah, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ as your savior, now is the time because tomorrow is not promised to you. Today is the day of salvation. Okay, all you have to do is go to Romans chapter 10 and read verses 9 through 11 and make up your mind at that moment. Are you going to accept Christ? Romans 9, no, Romans 10, 9 through 11, or I'm only going to quote 9 and 10, says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, meaning that you know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Meaning you know he is seated at God's right hand. Even the King David quoted that. My Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand. David knew about the coming of the Messiah. Why do you think God said this king here, his throne will reign forever. Because Jesus, the reason why Jesus is coming from the, um, the family of David it's because David was a man of great faith, but we all know he was not perfect. So I'm telling you, he was born out of the house of David. That's why he's sometimes called the son of David, because he was born out of that house because Mary and her earthly husband, Joseph come from the lineage of David. So let's not get it twisted. That's why we have to rightly divide these scriptures. So saints, look, You are saved if you make that confession and you believe in your heart. You have to have both. You have to make that confession. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You are saved. You don't have to jump through no hoops. You don't have to do do no backflips. You don't have to perform miracles. And you are saved forever. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. Who? Those that believe in him. And they shall never perish. So anybody who is trying to criticize you. Uh, because you did something wrong yesterday, you tell them you sticking with what Jesus said. You are saved and just do good by other saints. You ain't saved because of your good works, but because you are saved, you should do good works. Hallelujah. So until next time, saints, peace out. Hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to truth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.